Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plans, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I didn't want to get carried away. How's everybody doing? I, yeah, I almost guarantee you that, at, as my usual, we'll go with Mariners this morning, that it's not this uh, out, of, out of sync. But that's all right, you know. Glad you're here with us this morning, that you could be a part of, of what I believe God is doing in Costa Mesa. Love this church. Love um, you guys and being a part of your guest here today. Welcome. Um, as Eddie said, we're just a group of people learning to live and love like Jesus. We're just trying to take one day at a time and, 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 and just try to be more like him. So we're in the series called um, Jesus Discipler. Uh, discipleship is a mandate that Jesus gave Christians in order to change the world, in order to make a difference in the world. He never called people to be Christians. He called them to be disciples, to reproduce who you are. We, we have a church full of people that, that just think you show up. I, I want to give you, a, let's read our scripture first here. It says this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of this age. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this time that we have this morning. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, that you would speak to us. God, those of us who have known you for 30 years and those who have known us, known you for a year, God, I, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, that you, we would see that discipleship is the means by which you've called us to change this place called earth. Lord, I, I pray that, uh, Holy Spirit, you'd speak through me, that it wouldn't be me but your spirit. And uh, um, we love you and we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I've got uh, uh, some... Well, I got some slides here. Okay, I got some quotes that, that we have, have given over the last few weeks that I just want to roll through. My top five quotes around discipleship and Christianity that we have uh, talked about. This first one, Stephen Lawson says this The hard sayings of Jesus are not hard to understand, they're just hard to swallow. We, we just don't like them going down into us because it changes us. And then, okay, Seth, is there a, something there? I keep pushing and going back. Sorry. Isn't this wonderful? I love technology and love all of the... All right. It, it, Tim Keller, who just passed recently, who is one of the great theologians historically that we have seen, said this. Discipleship is not an option. Jesus says that if anyone would come after me, he must follow me. It's not an option not to be a disciple. David Platt, who's a missiologist, and he's from Atlanta, is another incredible theologian, says this, it is impossible to be a follower of Christ while denying, disregarding, and, and decrediting, the disbelieving the words of Christ. So in other words, he's saying, look, the, the Bible talks about discipleship and says that as Christians, if you say you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, then it's synonymous with discipleship. Billy Graham said this, salvation is free, grace. 
That's what he's saying. But discipleship costs everything we have. And then lastly, Dallas Willard, who passed about 10 years ago, another great theologian, said, discipleship is a process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Being a little bit more like Jesus. Isn't that what we're doing here? Or is this just a check on your calendar for today? Is it just like, hey, i got to put in my time at church, my how many times a month? My two times a month. i got to just kind of check it off and show up and let me check that off the list and then let me just go on with my life. Or are we called to be followers of Jesus? Why are these quotes so important? Why, why did I put them up there? Why? I, I think you need to see, you need to feel the weight of what Jesus is saying in his scriptures. Because of what he, we have said over the past several weeks about discipleship, that's why I put those quotes up there. And this is what we have said over the last several weeks. We talked about the how of discipleship. We talked about Jesus and discipleship. How Jesus, in these words, discipled the twelve. We saw that he would talk and they would listen and he would do and they would watch. And then he would do and they would watch and I would, he would do and they would help. And then they would do and, and Jesus would help and then... They would do, and Jesus would watch, and then Jesus said, I'm out of here. That's a brief overview of that, that one month. Did you catch that? Okay. <laughs> Easy for you to say, okay? Go back and listen to it. It's like four weeks ago. Um, and then we talked about the why, and the why is built around this. There are 7.8 billion people, give or take, on the earth today. That's why. Because the heart of Jesus is this, Matthew 18, 12. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go search for the one that went astray? The heart of God is for the one. It's 7.8 billion people, but it's about the one. And he's willing to chase you and chase me down. He's willing to go after you and go after me, regardless of what you're doing, regardless of what stage of life you're in, regardless of, of the difficulties, whatever it might be, God says this, that I, I want to go after the one because the one matters. The one matters. The one matters. Second Peter 3.9 says it this way. Not wishing that any should perish. Another translation says this. Not wishing that even one person should perish apart from Jesus, but that they all should reach repentance. Not a single person, not your greatest enemy, not that person that, that you can't stand. God's heart for them is to leave the 99 to go find them and preach and let them encounter salvation in God's grace. We talked about the mandate. Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples. There's no way around this in this scripture. If you believe, if we believe, if I believe that this is the word of God, if we believe God is God, let's start there in the beginning. If you believe that God is God, I happen to believe God is God. If you believe God is God, then he is omniscient, all-knowing. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's other than, and therefore, if God is God, and this is the holy scripture that he wrote through men, and he says to us in Matthew 28, go make disciples, do you think he was kidding? It's his word. It's not easy. It, it, it's, it's not easy. It's work. It, it's, it's, it takes time. It takes apart from your life and what you're doing. 
And we talked about the mandate that God has called you to and me to as a Christian. If we say we're followers of Christ. And then the ask. I've been asking each week. I've been asking you to pray. I've been asking you to, to ask God and seek God. Who's the one? Who are you calling me to? And, and it's, um, I am going broad. I'm going 10,000 feet view where I say it here. And I'm also calling some of you and going, who are you discipling? I'm calling people that I know, know Jesus. And I'm going, and some of you are getting nervous right now. If I haven't called you, it's not because I don't think you're a Christian. It's because I haven't got to you yet. So get ready. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm calling and go, look, look, I, where I have relationship, and one in particular that a couple weeks ago, I'm just like, who are you discipling? Oh, you know, it, it just 15 excuses. <laughs> I love it. But, but, but we went from 15 excuses down to, okay, who's that one? And, and this man called that one. Started meeting that one. And he go, oh, one person, what does it matter? What well, it matters to the one. Oh, one person, who cares? Unless you're the one. It doesn't change the world unless you're the one. My life has changed because one man, I've told the story, imparted his life into me. I have this kid as a kid. I've gotten more. I don't know where my wife had to take Andrea to the, uh, the, the airport. She'll be back. I'm married to the woman that I'm married to. I have five, four other kids besides them. Uh, I, have, I have grandkids. I have all these things because one man decided to pour his life into me. How do I not do the same? The power of one and exponential growth. Last week we talked about the power of one. What a difference that one person can make. Now here's what you have to understand. You don't have to stand here. In fact, I don't want you to stand here. It's not always fun standing here and, and preaching this way. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, is, is being a nurse in the hospital. What I'm talking about is being a teacher and, and making a difference in the classroom. What I'm talking about is being a mechanic and fixing those BMWs at a great price. What I'm talking about, <laughs> what I'm talking about is, 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 where's Eddie being a carpet cleaner? That, you're more than that. I just, I mean, you need the stains out of your stuff. He's the man. I mean, but let me tell you, the doors open and open and open because he gets the stuff out of their carpet and out of their furniture, and he preaches the gospel. The power of one. Jesus said this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of a couple people. Just a couple people. Jesus said of all. He said, go make disciples of all. 7.8 billion people in the world. And this Jesus guy is telling me to go make disciples of all of them. I mean, you think about the, the just sheer numbers. Now, let's back it up a little bit. Jesus started with 12 men, and there's some 7.8 billion people in the world today, and we have just under 3 billion people who call themselves Christians. Now, I understand what that means, calling yourself a Christian. It's, it's you know, just because I'm in, a, in the garage and I call myself a car doesn't mean I'm a car, and just because we come to church and call ourselves Christians does not mean we are Christians, although we like to say we're Christians. But apparently just under 3 billion people claim to be followers of Jesus. One man with 12 men changed the world forever. It took a few days. 
Don't underestimate the power of your life. Don't underestimate what you can do just by being kind. What you can do by by helping others. What you can do by being the hands and feet of Jesus. Don't underestimate what you can do by going to dinner with a couple of people that you didn't want to go to dinner with. That was a story I heard before church. I don't want to go with these people. And God opens the door. I'm not using names in case maybe they're listening today. I don't know. And I don't want them to know that that person didn't want to go to dinner with those people. That would not be good. <laughs> what it? Sorry, Ryan. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. Um, oh, sorry. No, that wasn't Ryan. I promise. Uh, 7.8 billion people. And you're the hands and feet of Jesus. I, it's, it's overwhelming. It's like, it's, it's overwhelming. So let's break it down here. You got 7.8 billion. That is impossible. You can't touch that. Even Dan, with his greatness, you cannot touch 7.8 billion people. You, let's go down to the U.S. population. 325, it's actually a little more than that, million people. Nah, not a chance. California, 40 plus million, not going to touch them. Orange County, 3.4 million people. I don't know, man. I mean, in my mind, maybe, but that ain't happening. And then Jesus said, as we said, I don't want any of them to perish. We just went from 7.8, we're down to Costa Mesa, 110,000 people in Costa Mesa, and we go, I don't think I can do that. Well, let's go to our neighborhoods. They say that the, the, the sociologists say that the most that you can touch and what the average person could touch in their neighborhood is, is eight. So if you look at you know, an average of two people, that's Four houses, my math is good today. The, the four houses around us of two people in each house or maybe a house with five and another one with three. Man, I'm really impressing myself. <laughs> There's eight. <laughs> There's eight in my very own home, which takes us to the next one. It says, your family. I can't do 7.8 million, but can I do one? Can, can I disciple someone in my family? I can't touch 325 million, not a chance, 40 million, 3.4 million. But, but can I make a difference in one person's life? Jesus says that he wishes that none will perish, not one. Maybe I can touch one. We, we sit in church, and I'll generalize, church as, as a whole, the church, big C, not just us, but all those churches out there, the big ones, the small ones, and every one between. And we sit in here and we listen to messages, and that's really nice. We get inspired, or we receive communion, which is critical and, and so important, and, and we eat donuts and drink coffee, which is amazing. That's, uh, you know, I think some of you just come for the bad coffee and donuts, which is fine with me. And, and, and we do all these things, but but do we walk away and, and think that God's called us to touch someone, to make a difference in someone's life? I, I'm showing you that we can. The power of one mom and one dad. Let me show you the power of one mom and one dad. Jim Blue there, minus mom. I'm sorry, but you had 59 unbelievable years. I had 46 unbelievable years with your wife, and we put up with you. So... This man and his wife poured their lives into me and my sister. So I just started doing, doing some math. And I don't say this out of, oh, I'm like great preacher. I'm saying this because I'm an idiot. And God likes to use an ass. And I did, oh, and I did say that in church. I said, I, uh, sorry. 
if my mom was here, I'd be in trouble. But my, my, my mom and dad poured into my life. So look, look at this. This is So out of that, um, I, I started a ministry years ago called Mission Orange County. We planted 30 churches. Um, at Pacific Point, if we take it at its whole for the last 16 years or however long we've been around, we've, I've counted, we've planted six churches out of Pacific Point. Champions for Christ was a ministry I worked with for professional athletes. Out of that, we planted 10 churches. I've touched others throughout my life, just having a cup of coffee or running into them or whatever it might be. I have neighbors that live around me, and some of them like me, some of them don't. I get it. But I've been able to touch some lives in, in my neighborhoods. I've got five kids. Some of them like me, some of them don't. But I've been able to touch five kids, and now a grandbaby and another grandbaby coming really soon. I started doing just some random math. It may be more, maybe it's less. But because of one mom who loved Jesus and one dad who loved her and loved Jesus, I've been able to touch 25,000 at least people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm just one person. See, this is the point. If you pour into one person. Now, the reality is this. Shirley Blue and Jim have touched countless people. That woman especially, he's a little meaner than her, so, but her especially, she, she would go and feed the homeless every week. She would, I mean, if you've ever experienced her, you know, she was like the Pied Piper of, of kids. They just followed around and she'd throw out candy and toys and they loved her. She touched more people than, than I think I've ever touched. But because she touched my life and because she was a mother that was committed to discipling her children, pouring the love of God in her children, sitting, and I've talked about it, you know, singing church songs from my earliest memories, reading the Bible from my earliest memories, staying with me, and when I was complete squirrely in my walk with God, continued to love me, continued to pray for me every day, prayed that I wouldn't marry the first girl I was engaged to or the second girl, and that I would marry the right girl, and I did. Why? Because one woman. You see the power of this? See, Jesus isn't just going, this is a really good idea. He, he, he's saying, church, you can change the world if you're willing to lay down your life. You can make a difference in so many people if you're willing to lay down your life. Do the math. And I may be off because I, I usually can only go to five or six. But I, I started looking at the power of one. And, and if one person disciples one person who disciples one person. It's, it's this exponential growth. I've shown this stat before. It's, it's, you start getting around 10 people, discipling 10 people who disciple 10 people. You know, it, it actually, it, it, right in there, it starts to grow exponentially. And when you get to 20 people who disciple 20 people who disciple 20 people, you're, 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 you're at a million people. It started with one person. Now, now, here's the key, and here's what's important about discipleship. Discipleship is only discipleship if there's grandchildren. 
In other words, when you're pouring your life into someone, the reason I do what I do is because Shirley and Jim, they poured my life into me in such a way that I'm like, how do I not preach the gospel to others? Now, everybody's not going to do this, but when you pour your life into someone in such a way that they experience Jesus, they touch Jesus, they feel his love, they know him in a relationship, what happens naturally is they do the same thing. They preach the gospel. We're not all there. We're, some of you are going, oh, what's he doing to me? I'm not, that's fine. But it's, it's that willingness of heart to go, okay, God, who's the one? Who's the one? The power of 10. If, if one person discipled 10 people over their life, who discipled 10 people, and, and you, you take the math, the, the, you know, the, the tipping point there is around 14, and you start getting in, one person disciples 10 over their lifetime. You're 10 million people. You can see how real quickly, if a handful of people will just obey what the word says, we can make a difference in the world. We can change this place. Jesus says, I don't want even one person to perish. Jesus discipled 12 men, and the world has never been the same. He poured his life into 12 men. And the world has never been the same. Discipleship is the mandate that Jesus gave you and me to Christians to make a difference in the world. But, but we, we, we think that coming to church is enough. We think that saying a prayer at lunch or breakfast or dinner is, is what God's called us to. And all those things are true. But it's so much more than that. He said, go. He said, go. Make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go and make a difference in someone else's life. Go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Go and grab a hold of someone and pour what God has given you, what someone has poured into you, into someone else. So what's the problem? What's the problem? Others. problem is others. Basically, it's others because we think of it as others, someone else's job. It's the other person's job to do. That's the preacher. It's his job to do. He's one of the deacons, or he's one of this. It's their job to do. He's the worship leader. It's his job to do. We think it's the pastor's or the priest's job, or we think it's the, the elder's job, or, or the super spiritual people's job, or the children's church worker's job. And the last one, I hope you don't think it's their job, because I don't think it would be good if it was their job, the guy on TV's job. It's kind of funny, the evangelist, you know that guy? Put your hand on the TV today. <laughs> Send me your money and Jesus will heal you. You know, I don't know. I never sent the money and I'm still broken, so I guess I should have sent the money. I don't know. Um, Lord, forgive me for mockery. That's probably not right. But I, we, we think that everybody else should do that job. And when we talk about it and we look at a Blackaby, who is a, a modern theologian who, who, who looks at Christianity, looks at trends, and looks at movements, he has found this, that 4%, 4% of all those who claim to be Christians, I've used this statistic before, 4% of those who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, 4% live a true biblical worldview as defined by believing in the Word of God as the Word of God. You can't take and add or take away from it. 
as defined by committed to going to a church, not any one church. It could be Episcopalian, it could be Catholic, it could be Protestant, whatever. Uh, going to church as defined by those who give to their church, financially and otherwise, as defined by those who are willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus. 4% of those who say, I'm a Christian, actually live that life. That's scary. Now, let's be realistic. I, I, I hope I'm in the 4%. I mean, we, we live our lives and, you know, we go through ups and downs and valleys and stuff. And, you know, I talk about it every time, all the time. Life is about gaps. And, and my, one of the gaps I try to close is, is going from not being one of those 4%ers to, to being one of those 4%ers. To being someone who is continually giving, who's continually being the hands and feet of Jesus, who's continually loving others, who's continually loving his wife and his children. I'm trying to be that 4%. I'm not always. God is gracious and he is good. But we've got to get out of our mindset. Uh, you guys have come here long enough. If you've heard me preach long enough, I, I, I'm not going to let you just sit here and be comfortable. I, I, I can't do it. And, and, and because of that, there's many times fewer people. Okay, that's all right. But I have to at some point stand before God and, and have to give an account for preaching his word. And I do not want to stand before God and him go, hey, hey John, you, you remember you know that scripture in Matthew 28 that I, you know, the last words before I went into heaven? You know, last words are kind of important when you're dying. You know, those last words where I said, hey, go and make disciples. How come you didn't preach it? Or how come you didn't live it? And at the expense of people and numbers and offerings and, and friendships, Jesus continually would draw lines in the sand. And, and he would draw a line and he'd say things like, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you cannot be my disciple. Line in the sand, it says, many of them left him that day. Mark 8, he says, unless you pick up my cross, he draws a line in the sand, unless you pick up my cross and bear the, 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 the difficulty of being a Christian, he says, you cannot be my disciple. He draws a line and people just walked away. I can't not preach this gospel. The church needs to stop abdicating her role and start making disciples of Jesus. Start imparting to others. Start reproducing. In case you forgot, you're the church. When I say the church, I'm not talking about this building. I'm not talking about the building down the road. I'm talking about you and me. We are the church. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We're, we're the ones who make the difference. Christ in us, the power, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in me. And I have the power of Jesus to be his hands and feet, to love others well. See, the issue in this country is it's not gun violence. Uh, we, oh, gun violence. By the way, we just had a, a CCW class for the church a couple weeks ago, so we will help uh, eliminate gun violence by having guns. So I'm sure I fed someone there. They won't come back, and God bless you. Um, gun violence isn't the issue. Politics? That's not the issue. Racism is not the issue. Fatherlessness, not the issue. Divorce is not the issue. You know what the issue is? The church hasn't discipled. 
Those are all byproducts of the church abdicating her role. All those things are what happened. And everybody goes, we got to get guns off the street. we got to be more, you know, sane in our politics. You know, there's so much racism everywhere, and we don't have fathers, and, and, and we're missing the whole point. The whole point is that we don't have relationship with Jesus, the one who brings life. You see, here's the whole point. It's a heart issue. It's not a gun issue. It's not a Trump versus Biden issue. It's a heart issue. I don't care who you vote for. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. It's a heart issue. See, but, but here's the problem. We don't believe this. I'm a good guy. I'm a pretty good guy. But Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. The heart is deceitful above all, all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Apart from Jesus, the heart is deceitful. And even in Jesus, we struggle. Completely submitted to Jesus is one who's like, God, I can't handle this. I need you to help me in my anger. I need you to help me in my pain. I need you to help me in my lust. I need you to help me in my relationships. I need you to help me in my love. I need you to help me. It's that submission to him that allows me to not be deceived. See, when I take this word and I eat it, when I read it, when I, when I, I allow it to be the mirror in my life to show me who I am, when I do those things, I get a true picture. When I start living around emotions and I start hearing other people, what they say about me, when I start reading on uh, or looking on uh, TikTok and, and, and whatever those things you guys watch all the time. What's the other one? Uh, not Facebook. That's so old. Instagram, and, and, and you're seeing all these. I'm really not that old, I promise. I'm really not. I, I, I know what those things are. I just, yes. It, when you start looking at those things, you start comparing, and you start doing all, you know what happens? It's deceitful. It's dangerous. The issue Again, I sound like a broken record, and I'm sure I'll make someone mad. The issue is not the gun. The issue is the heart of the man or woman who has the gun in their hand. I have a number of guns. Don't judge. I have a number of guns. The issue is my heart. The issue is that, that we have mental illness that is running rapid in this society, and we just go, oh, I'll pray for you. Or we, 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 we do nothing. I'm generalizing. I'm painting with broad pictures. We don't do what we need to do. And don't tell me I don't know because I deal with it in my family. I deal with mental illness. I know the pains of it. I know the hurt and what it does to families. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. We're putting band-aids on severed limbs, and then we're just having these great conversations and pontificating. That's such a great word. I even spelled it right. As to why things are getting better. Uh, it's absurd. You want to know why the world isn't changing? Because the church hasn't focused on what Jesus said to do. Go make disciples. You want to change your neighborhood? You want, to change the, you want to change the atmosphere in your, your family? You want to change the atmosphere in your, in your job? I, I mean, be the hands and feet of Jesus. I, I, 
you know, I, I, I took a job a couple years ago because I start churches and you can't make a lot of money starting churches, contrary to what you guys may think. <laughs> um, and I got five kids and they drain me. So I got a job. God very clearly opened a door for me to get a job. And at first I was like, this sucks. I want to be and do the church. And then, then I, I, I had this revelation of what Jesus says. I didn't tell you to go be the pastor, although he told me to be a pastor. I told you to be my hands and feet. And, it, and if that means that you do this and you do that and you do that because you love this, watch what I might do. And I've watched God in, in, in my workspace do some incredible things. It's crazy. So much I'm like, I am, man, I, 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 the church gig is, or the, the job gig is, there's more preaching and, and Jesus going on than with you guys, you sinners. <laughs> God's called us to go make disciples. He's called you to go make disciples. He's called you to give your life to others. That's the church. Some of you, it's a mom, it's your moms, and, and God's saying, just pour yourself into your kids. You've poured yourself into your children, and God is pleased. Some of you, your children are, are at school. Some of you, your children are at Long Beach State, and, and you have, you have uh, 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 wherever, Long Beach City, call. I don't know, Notre Dame, who cares? What I know is that you're done. Okay, you, you uh, forever? Oh, okay. No, I'm not talking about your natural children. I know you poured into them. I'm talking about what you do for a living. And, and you get these kids, every, you get them more than their natural parents get them. And you can speak life into them and truth into them. I was speaking this week, I, I, I'm doing some corporate stuff, and I was in Las Vegas speaking to um, uh, 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 Del Taco. It, it's uh, not a Del Taco. I didn't sit in Del Taco and go, hey, Jesus loves you. There he is again. There's that crazy preacher. Gosh. No. Uh, the, uh, the corporation, these guys own this. They're the second largest holders of Del Tacos in America. They had, a, they, had a, they had a convention in, in Vegas, and they brought all their managers and GMs and all those people and asked me to come speak. And, uh, and, and gosh, now you made me lose my train. No, now I got it back. Okay. I'm sitting in front of all these people, and, and it's, it's crazy. And I, I have their attention for an hour, and I can, they said, you can't preach Jesus, but you can preach Jesus. Figure it out. And I'm like, okay. You know, um, and I, they're, I'm not even sure they're Christians, but they're, they know where I, where I stand. And, and as I'm talking and talking about leadership skills and, and growing in your leadership and what that looks like, I'm teaching principles out of the Bible. I'm talking about being the hands and feet of a good person, helping others. And I'm talking to these people, and, 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 and they're, 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 they've got, you know, teenagers that make, what, eight, ten bucks an hour. So it's very transient. And, and I'm talking, and I'm like, you have the opportunity to grab a hold of one of these young people and, and pour some life into them. And light bulbs are going off. And I had these, these people come up to me afterwards and go, what does that mean? And what do you, you know, it's, uh, the point is this. It's in front of you. It's in your hands. And, and, and too many times we don't even see it. But I know this. You want to see change in America. That's pretty big. You want to see change in California. Still pretty big. You want to see change in your marriage. You want to see change in your children, in your office place. Jesus is the answer. 
Jesus is the answer. And when you start with open hands, he, he brings people across your path. It's crazy. Crazy how it works. And he says, go make disciples. See, when you don't make disciples, you make, this is what you make. Be, do not be deceived. You're making something. There's, no, there's, there's nothing neutral where nothing's going on. You're making something. When you don't make disciples, you're making religious, self-righteous people. When you, look, if, if, if we're not making disciples in here, what we're doing is we're teaching religiosity. I can just come when I want. I can go when I want. I don't have to do anything for this, this Jesus. When you're not making disciples, they go to church whenever they want people. I love that one. Uh, when you're not making disciples, you're, you're growing self-centered people. When you're not making disciples from the scripture, what you're getting is you got, you got what has God done for me lately, people? You know what I'm talking about? Ah, what has God done for me lately? That God guy. What has he done for me lately? Really? See, don't understand the power of the gospel when you're not making disciples. When you're making disciples, you make compassionate people. You make people who sacrifice for others. You make people that are, are giving of their time and their, their finances. You make kind people because, because the word of God does not come back void. It goes in someone and then comes out of someone. It goes in someone and God's kindness comes out of them. Not 24-7, no one's perfect, closing the gap, just trying to be better. When you make disciples, you make worshipers of Christ. And then all of a sudden, it's not all about you anymore. It's about something much bigger than just you. It's about others. It's about Jesus. Men and women submitted to Jesus. Disciples are people who are convinced the gospel is the only hope for every man, woman, and child. What is the gospel? I talk about it all the time. What is the gospel? I talk about it all the time because I don't want anybody to ever walk out of this church and not know what the gospel is. Because we hear it. Oh, those gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, the gospel music. Oh, gospel. What does the gospel mean? The gospel is God. This is, this is a great interpretation. The gospel is God interrupting me on my way to hell and rescuing me. Ah, people don't like that. You know what I deserve? I deserve hell. You know what God gives me? He gives me grace. It's so good. The gospel is God interrupting me on my way to hell and rescuing me by his grace. This church is, 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 is built around a group of people gathered around the truth of the gospel. At the very center of biblical theology is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures, and that he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. The gospel is Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, that I might have life, powerful, saving grace. What is the gospel? The good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. You know what the good news is? I don't spend eternity apart from Jesus. I have eternal life. I have eternal life. Even when I'm an idiot, which never happens, if I were to be an idiot, I have eternal life through Christ Jesus. I have grace and forgiveness. So what's the problem with the church? Who's the church? 
Don't sound so excited. Who's the church? You are. What's the problem with the church? Selfishness. Disobedience. Pride. Pride. What do I do? The Bible says this, and I love it. It says repent. I'm calling you to repentance today. I'm repenting. I'm calling me to repentance today. I'm calling us to repent. If that's you that isn't doing what this word says. Or am I going to still be that, that Christian that comes twice a month and says prayers at lunch and dinner and tries not to cuss? I don't care about your cussing. Don't cuss, but I don't care about your cussing. You know what I care about? I care about your relationship with Jesus. And the Bible says repent. James 4, 6 says this, that God opposes the pride. Oh, I don't need that, that church stuff the way you say it. Really? God goes, he opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. I, even if you're like, I don't know about what he just said. I'll tell you what you do then. If you believe God is God, you're not sure about what I said, then what you do is you posture your heart in such a way. You go, God, I don't know about that guy up there on the stage, but I know you know. And if you know, I need you to tell me the truth and reveal it that it's truth. Because he's just a man. Don't take anything that I say and not back it up against this word. If you take what I say and you don't back it up against what this word says, you're a fool. Because men are fallen, fallible, and finite. God is true. God is true. Repent. As Joel comes up right now and the band comes up, we're, we're going to go into a time of, of communion. There's no better time. It's, it's one of the great times, let me say that, to, to repent. I love that we do it every week. It's a holy moment. We don't do it because it's tradition. We do it because the Bible says, when you come together, do this in remembrance of me. He says, receive the elements. Take who you are and line it up with the cross. You see, we got a cross now. We take who you are. Isn't that crazy? A church with a cross? We've come a long ways, people. Um, take who you are and line it up with the cross of Jesus and humble yourself. You say, God, forgive. Oh, God, have mercy. God, I've never really seen this before in your word, this whole discipleship thing. And, and again, I'm not so sure about that guy on stage, but I, I, I'm sorry. Show me who you are that I might be obedient to you. What do you do? You repent. What do you do? This is a shameless plug, but come next week. And I'll give you some practical steps of what discipleship looks like. Some of you are going, I don't know where to start. What does that really even look like? Help you with that. Help you with that. This is who we are. We believe that each, you know, the word is critical. That prayer and conversations with Jesus comes through relationship. That worship is something we do with music. It's something we do by making declarations of who Jesus is. But that we do it each and every day. That's relationship with the Father. And that's what we're called to. We're called to a relationship. So, oh, so as we go into this moment of, of communion, I just uh, we have communion stations to the right and left and the back to the right and left. And 
If you know Jesus, this is the time that you, you receive the elements. It says that on the night that Jesus betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the wine that represented his blood. And, 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 and he said, when you drink this, remember what I did for you on the cross when I shed my blood for you. But, but before you go to the table... Examine your heart. Take a moment of silence and just, oh God, what do you have for me? Oh God, is there anything I need to repent for today? Oh God, is there anything you're dealing with? And then just, just take it to the cross. Lay it at Jesus' feet. You know what's beautiful about that? Is that when I walk out these doors, no guilt, no condemnation. The Bible says this, that God is faithful to forgive. I love that. So good. The other side of that, though, is that you're changed and you actually do what the Word of God says. It's that tension between be and do. So as you come to receive... Just take a moment, examine your heart this morning. We have bread that you can dip in the wine and receive, or we have the little cups if you like to do that instead. So let me pray before we receive this morning. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for these men and women. God, I pray that you would uh, speak to us. God, that we would truly be your hands and feet. God, that we would have a revelation of who you are and that we would disciple and pour our lives into others, that they might pour their lives into others, that it may continue, that this world wouldn't be wrecked with violence and fatherlessness and, and, and gun deaths and all of that stuff, Father God. The issue isn't the stuff. The issue is the heart of man that's deceived. Oh, God, forgive us. Let us have a pure heart that we might love you and love others. And as we receive this, your body and your blood, Father God, we say thank you. We say thank you. In Jesus' precious name.